So every once in a while, I'll have reoccurring dreams from like high school, or yeah, that's about the earliest back it goes. Like I'm still in high school. You know, I'm in my 20s, but I still feel like I've had reoccurring dreams where I keep having to go back to high school, even though I already graduated once. And it's a dream that's happened several times. And uh, I don't know why. It's weird. You know, I guess because a lot of our social identity is created kind of in those developing years, you know middle school to high school, you start becoming an individual, you start getting shaped by your environment, and a lot of people, um, a lot of people are ruled by their social self, meaning like they, a lot of people crave social validation, it's really important for them to fit into some kind of group, and, um, that's why the uh, corporation is such a strong entity, because it na- <clears throat> naturally flows from school, you know, home life to school to college to corporation. So the corporation kind of, you know, feels like how home and school and work feel. So it makes sense. And I'm uh, aspiring to create the corporation. Um but anywho, so I had this I had this dream. I was in high school high school class. One of the girls that I had a huge crush on, uh you know, I don't know, the dream was my sometimes my dreams just go in all different random fragments and it's not really like a linear progression of events, it's just little flickers of images that I see or I don't really or that's all I remember when I woke up, but we're, like, holding hands. We're being super flirty. This is a girl that I always liked and, you know, totally got friend-zoned because when I was a young kid, I didn't have a lot of confidence, and um, I was a fat kid, last picked in, in sports. You know, I always wanted to be hanging out with the cool kids, you know, but I was never really quite a cool kid. As I became a junior and a senior, I did kind of start hanging out with the cool kids, at least the smart, cool kids, because, like, hold on, put my seatbelt on. As far as where I went to school, Ronald Reagan High School, San Antonio, Texas, class of 2009, um, a lot of the smart kids hung out with each other because we were all in the same classes, the AP classes, advanced placement classes. I was in marching band. A lot of the band kids hung out with each other. Right, so everything was clicky like that, like it usually is, and all the jocks would hang out with themselves and all the swimmers. So I hung out with a few swimmers, I hung out with a few band people, I hung out with a few AP people, but my real friend, my real core of a friends group, um, was a group of guys: Andrew Oslins, Greg Barfell, and then. <laughs> Uh, Caleb Parker, Brennan Barnhill, Justin, shit, I don't remember his last name, because we'd always call him Justin Queerdo, but, um, yeah, I remember those guys, and then Andrew was in AP classes with me, so that kind of extended to, like, Daniel Puckett, and we played Pokemon, you know, at school, and random shit like that, a few band people I was friends with, but anyways, 
yeah, that was kind of my social circle in high school. So when I have recurring dreams like that, there's one guy named Clayton, and he was a valedictorian. And he was the one that I feel like was, like, the popular elite kid, went to Wharton, you know. So he was always the one that I was kind of felt competitive with, even though I really had no desire to excel, you know, academically into college. I really didn't have that drive. But uh, anyway, so I'm holding hands with this girl. Once I had a crush on, I wake up and I, I feel very disoriented. It's a very strange dream. And it's like, I can't, sometimes you keep waking up and going back to sleep, and then you can keep going back into the same dream, or at least that's what it seems like. So I kept going back into that dream because I was curious about it. But um, so I, you know, I look them all up on, I look them all up on Instagram. And, you know, without any judgment, because I literally haven't been in contact with these people for almost, like, ten years or so, you know, maybe eight to ten years, because when I went to UT Austin, I still was in contact with quite a few of them, but my life took me in a totally different direction, but, um, so when I look up, you know, their profiles on Instagram, I'm just like, you know, all the hot girls that I thought were so attractive... Now, I, re- I look at them, I really like sixes, you know, and um, I'm 28 now, but I still look like I'm 22, but a lot of these 28-year-olds, man, they're starting to look old, you know, signs of balding and hair loss, and not everybody, but, so it's interesting what society does to your dreams and your aspirations and your identity, you know, as a cool kid in high school, and then you enter real life and real world and job and status and achievement and family. And I guess it's like the the real nature, the true nature is kind of more revealed as time goes on. But um, I just think it's curious. Everyone that I put on a pedestal, you know, I have this hunger and drive to be a billionaire, trillionaire, you know, A-lister kind of person. It's always been my underlying motivation, and I suppose the reason why is because I was so deprived of any of that when I was young. You know, I never felt popular. I never, maybe slightly as I got older, but that was just with small groups of people. That wasn't really like uh, everybody thought I was popular. So there's always been this desire to be like a celebrity, you know, to be like everyone, to be loved. But I think the flaw of youth, or especially arrogance and social media and influencing, it's like, you think that you're better, you think that popularity comes with superiority, which comes with criticism and degrading others, and I guess that's the kind of aura I had been influenced by as a younger person, because I was always criticized and made fun of, you know, I was always reprimanded, getting in trouble, you know, Um, so popularity... I couldn't really... Did I pass Walmart? No, not yet. But, like, I, um... I gotta buy some windshield wipers. Houston is very foggy today. Um, you know, I didn't have a voice, you know, which is why I enjoy making voice clips on my phone, you know, in lieu of a future podcast. Um, I didn't have much of an identity, constantly ridiculed, scolded, maybe even abused, and then I became the abuser, right, the victim becomes the aggressor, the villain, you know, and then 
shit. Even all my college friends, fraternity brothers, I, don't, I literally have fallen out of contact with everyone pre... I mean, everyone, period. <laughs> I don't talk to anyone that I ever knew. You know, the only exception might have been my... Um, one of my ex-girlfriends named Tessany, but she, we ended up getting in a fight, and she blocked my number. So, I guess I'm a loner, alone again. But, um, I don't know. I guess with with this kind of attitude, though, comes a lot of self-reliance, self-fortitude. I see that a lot of people have given up on their dreams in high school. I see that a lot of people feel like they're nobody still. Everybody that I thought was somebody 10 years ago, 10 years later... Do you still hold on to your inner drive? Most people know you don't. I guess that's why I'm so compelled to want to be like a motivational figure as well as a business tycoon. Because I see that a lot of people's flames have just died, you know, and I think that's tragic. I think that's a tragedy. Um, you know, I wish that people, I don't know, I guess I wish people just thought of themselves in a higher light. I know that motivation and that really just depends on, you know, what you want, but I was listening to this interview by Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google, and he's just, you know, talking about how making Google really wasn't that difficult, they didn't really have to grind, they were just really smart programmers that made something that stuck, and they are the antithesis of, you know hustle and grind mentality, right? You, you, like all these young guys have got to crank out 80, 100-hour work weeks, kind of like that sales rep, marketing rep, kind of like clientele, business-based hustler, right? Got to keep getting more, got to get more leads, right? So then you have these Google guys, and they really didn't, probably didn't work more than 40, 50 hours. You know, who knows? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. From what I understand, though, he's got to kind of just, totally relaxed, nonchalant attitude about work and, like, if everyone can make, you know, 40, 50 Gs working 30 hours, that would be a pretty good lifestyle for most human beings. And that kind of puts things into perspective for me because me, me being someone to where, like, I don't think enough is ever enough. I want to be number one in the entire world, you know. I guess because I've been deprived. I've never really been number one at anything, you know. I was always at near the top, near the top, always in the top, you know, middle of the top. But, you know, never quite number one. So there's part of me that's deprived. I was wearing my high school uh, marching band uh, medals around my neck, so maybe that's why I had that dream. Maybe it took me back to earlier memories of of high school. We were in Bands of America. We should have been grand champions, national champions, but in all other regards, we won everything else. So, you know, got a taste of being a champion. Those are the only trophies that I have, you know, aside from my summa cum laude tassels, which are wrapped around my Ford Mustang, which is in front of my parents' house in San Antonio, probably decaying into the earth. But aside from that and the medals, I don't have any trophies, you know, I never really, really won anything, so I guess there's that, there is that hunger inside of, like, I want to win, I want to be an ultimate winner, you know, that's why I guess I like guys like Donald Trump, because they talk about winning a lot, you know, they have to win, so when you look at someone who has to win, probably something really damaging has happened in their psyche, 
to where they felt like a total loser, you know, and they hate the feeling of being that loser so much that it compels this ultimate kind of aggressive motivation, you know, you got to combat resistance. In modern times, when people think that they're a loser or they're unfulfilled, it's probably just because they haven't applied enough effort into their chosen field, because I think in almost any avenue except for Hollywood, if you work hard enough, and even Hollywood probably, if you work hard enough, you will succeed, succeed, you know, and so... So rallying cry to myself, you know, I'm building this business, I envision this multi-billion dollar clothing business, I'm 28, you know, what I, what have I achieved in life, you know, I'm trying so hard to build something, you know, my first year of having the business, you know, minimal success, you know, moderate success, you know, not tremendous success, but... I, you have to hold on to the fire inside of you. Why? Why? Why do you want to do this? You know, anyone making 40, 50K in America being single is enough. Being a family, you know, probably double that, 80 to 100, is enough for a modest, modestly comfortable lifestyle. Everything on top of that is extra, right? Everything on top of that becomes there's something in you that says, I want better than that, okay? And this, the gradient scale goes on to infinity. It never ends, okay? You could drive trucks. You could get a good job. You could, you know, get a doctorate degree. You could do a lot of different things to put you in that, you know, 80 to 100. Okay, now we can go into, like, 100 to 150. Okay, now we can go into 150 to 200 etc etc so on and so forth until about a million which making a million combined family income definitely puts you in the i think higher than one percent so you know what is a compelling motivation though you know why why do you need to do better than you know 40 50 g's why you know is it family to take care of your family is it to have a better life? For me, it's because there's a part of my soul. I've never been cool. I've never been popular. I've never been the ultimate victor. You know, I've never been um, this magnificent artist, you know. And these are all expressions inside of me that are kind of like clawing for expression, yearning, you know. I think those medallions the uh those medals that I you know it was when I was a freshman up until a junior um I think they were all from freshman year actually cuz I think junior year our band sucked but um you know okay so that brings me back to when I was 15 years old I think that's the oldest thing I own I don't think I own anything from my life pre 2005 so that brings me back to the youngest version of myself that I can go to physically, uh, you know, with a mem with a with a time trace. So, you know, okay, fifteen year old me. What would you say to your fifteen year old self? You know? What I always had these fantasies of like what if I could teleport back to high school, you know, knowing what I know now, my values, my life choices, my business decisions, you know what would I have done? I would have started cranking out my business immediately, and I probably would have just been singularly obsessed with 
uh, hooking up with girls and making money, which is really not too different from what I'm doing now. You know, I probably would have done wrestling instead of band, you know, maybe minor little switches. Maybe I would have done choir, you know, maybe I would have done theater just to try it out. But it's like everyone that I see in high school growing up now, you know, most people, most people just kind of just average, you know, and like, okay, that's okay, that's fine. But some people are drawn to the supernatural, you know, super incredible, myself included. I like to witness you know, we like we watch shows like American Idol. We watch shows like The Voice. We want a taste of that. We want a taste of the supreme. You know. So, anywho, Shark Tank. You know this this like what if you could just strike it big? You know. So, some people are exhilarated by that. A taste of the magnificent. Really, is what it is. I want to witness. I want to be a part of it. And if you can only be a part of it by watching, you know, so be it. But I'd like to be an active part of it. I'd like to create it. I'd like to, you know, manifest it. I'd like to witness and behold, you know. So 13 years ago, I would tell my younger self, the greatest gift that you have that most people don't have or have lost is you never gave up. You never lost sight. You never lost focus. And even though it life came in very different ways that you're not used to a lot of, a lot more pain than you thought you needed but it all transformed you <clears throat> into the person you are today who is a good person who has allowed forgiveness forgiven others and asked for, for them to forgive himself you know all the wrongs that you've endured all the wrongs that you have inflicted you know have been mostly cleared by now. You're starting a multi-billion dollar business. It's your first year under the belt. You will succeed magnificently. You will be the most famous and powerful person to ever come from your school, your city, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Texas. In general, you will be the wealthiest person in the world. And you will achieve it all, but... I hope you understand that the motivation partly does come from inside, never being cool. Nobody liked you, and you weren't that popular. You always felt like you were annoying people. You always felt like you were kind of fly on the wall. You know, you wanted to be a part of it, but you didn't quite feel like you were, so you were just kind of like observing, you know, the cool kids. But I want you to understand that you are the supreme cool kid, you know, and the life that you asked for, probably the most difficult thing to achieve, but you can do it, and you're the only one that can do it, and you're very special, and uh, even though you don't know that, and even though you've got about 13 years of shit to en endure almost your entire life, you know, but it'll all be worth it, you know, stay motivated, remember who you are. You know, never stop dreaming, you know, keep the dream alive. So many people have already lost the dream at 22, 25. Most people's dreams die. Your dream never died, you know. Maybe you had to go through all that pain to keep this dream alive. Maybe the pain was a blessing. Maybe people that didn't go through this pain don't understand, don't understand the motivation. They don't have the motivation because 
you know they they don't understand when you're denied yourself when you're denied your identity and everybody ridicules you and you're nobody you're a nobody you're a nobody well you know you have to be somebody and you will be somebody and you will be the best of the best and uh so it will be you know um stay true to yourself be good to others and uh you know life is going to be pretty fucking amazing in your 30s and 40s Okay, you had to sacrifice your 20s, but, you know, you got it now, now you know, now you're locked in, you know, it's only growth, forward growth from here, you're about to experience cataclysmic success, and uh, it all just starts with knowing who you are, and truthfully, a lot of the motivation to work is to help others, to end suffering, you know, once you make a good living, or once you're even quote-unquote rich or super rich, there's no motivation except from higher levels of status and pride and achievement, right? So the only desire is to be successful, be efficient, be productive, or it's an ego competition kind of thing. But I think the highest form of motivation that you're going to come to understand, I'm talking to my younger self, is... um you can eliminate a lot of pain in the world. You can eliminate a lot of poverty, you know, and a lot of that is emotional. A lot of that is like, why do we have to be so poor? You know, why do we have to suffer so much? Why why do we have nothing while everybody else has everything? You know, I'm talking about developing countries, you know, and you can really lend a hand and give them a foundation to plant their feet on the ground and give them the emotional strength to say, I can do this. I believe in myself. I don't know if I'm going to succeed, but you know what? I'm going to try. And when everybody else gives up and the flame dies and they just settle for life, you're not going to give up. You will succeed, and you're going to help a lot, a lot of people, and you're going to give them strength, and you're going to reinvigorate them, and you're going to bring their flames back to life because... For some reason, you never lost the flame, you know. The flame always stayed strong. It actually continues to grow stronger and stronger. You know, all of these little challenges in life now seem like nothing, seem like, like no big deal. You know, moving cities, moving neighborhoods, constantly moving, constantly, you know, having to adapt, having to adjust, trying new jobs, getting new jobs, trying new skills, learning new industries, you know made you incredibly powerful, you know, so incredibly strong and you don't you don't quite realize that, but you are immensely powerful because all this resistance has given you an ridiculous, you know, outer layer, you know, like a titanium shell, skeleton, exoskeleton and all these little problems that people think is the end of the world is just a you know, a minor scratch okay so understand you are incredibly powerful incredibly skilled you are super genius you know you have been denied you did have to suffer another 13 years but you know what the light has we're at the end of the tunnel we're about to step into the light and it's going to be glorious and the world will witness you know because that part of your your soul will be fulfilled 
that's all I got to say to you.